Let's share a word of prayer. Lord, this morning we stand in your presence and we believe that you have something in store for us. You've gathered us together to build our feet, to strengthen us and to put us on a better stand so we can go the full length of the journey that is set before us. I trust that as your word comes, the discouraged will be uplifted. I trust that, Lord, you put us in the right frame of mind and time so that we'll be able to glorify your name. We know you're a miracle worker. Visit us today. Bless lives and be glorified. I pray, Lord, that you speak in clearness of speech and, Lord, you bring understanding to the simple. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So what I have to share with you today is a little bit complex, but I, I pray that you get an understanding of what I'm talking about. I have titled it, New Wine, Kairos versus Kronos Tithe. New Wine, Kairos versus Kronos Tithe. Louis Mumford. An American writer. He was a historian and he was a philosopher. He was born in New York in the year 19, uh, 1895. He wrote a few classics. When we talk about classics, it's not just any book. This is a, a well-accepted story, writing, storytelling and stuff like that. Things that are, are very um, in-depth. It's not just anything. He wrote this classic that was what he was doing. And one of the classics he wrote, or several of them, I can mention some of them to you. One of them was The City in History. It was one of the classics that Louis Mumford wrote. The City in History. Another one was The Myth of Machine. The Myth of Machine. And all these ones are bestsellers. They are, you go to the internet, you can still find these this write-ups, and you can still purchase them and read. It's full of philosophy, ideas, and stuff like that. So it, it's wonderful. This man died in 1990 at the age of 94. But he's still being celebrated today. Why? Because of the wisdom that he exhibited. Because of the legacy he left behind. Because he was not just an ordinary person. He was somebody who thought through things and brought out the best in people. He made people to think. And that is why I want to bring some of the things he said today so that it will prompt our thinking. It will make us begin to look into things. He wrote in 1935 in one of his classics. The title of that classic is Techniques and Civilization. Techniques and Civilization. And in that classic, he made a profound statement. He said, the clock, not the steam engine, is the key machine of the modern industrial age. The clock, we all know what the clock is, simple clock. Time, as we look at it. Everybody in that generation hailed the steam machine because the steam machine was the center of industrialization. What is a steam machine? The steam machine was a discovery that when you heat volumes of water and you are able to channel the steam of that water, the pressure 
of the steam to hit turbines, it's able to drive large engines and produce mechanical power. So instead of using manpower to turn a machine, because that machine may need some move, the revolutions per minute that the machine needs, your hand cannot reach that speed. So you need something that will go faster, like hydro power generation and stuff like that. You have to turn a machine. And turning a machine was not going to be limited to human effort. So it was discovered that when you heat up water and you put the pressure to a turbine, a revolving part of a machine, it's able to drive the machine and it's able to make progress. What human effort cannot do, it will be able to do it. It was out of this technology that we had the locomotive train. So train can be powered on a rail at the top speed and it's not human effort. It is machine. It was because of steam engine. Steam engine came along with other stuff, something like the mining of coal. Because you need intense heat to heat the water. So coal mining became another lucrative job. You go to Europe up till now. There are some places in UK that still have a whole city built around mining of coal. People started mining, like mining gold today. Like going to Newmont. Those days, they mined coal to be able to heat up engines. You realize that the Titanic, the biggest ship that sank when it hit an iceberg in the early 90s. I said 90s, 19, 19 something. What happened was this largest ship was being run by steam. So you can imagine the amount of coal that will be taken into the ship and the boiling room. The boiling room is a huge part where steam is generated to drive the whole ship along the sea. So we know the power of steam engine. But here, Louis Mumford is trying to tell us that, hold on a minute, steam engine is great. It's helping industrialization. But there's something that is regulating the minds of people which has become more powerful. It's small, but it's subtle. It is doing serious job that we are even realizing. And he said, that is the clock. What did he mean by that? Because all of a sudden, lifestyle had now been centered on time. People all of a sudden became conscious of time. So when you go to work, you can't lazy about. Your employer is looking for the maximum input from you. So you go to work, you clock yourself in. You have to show the time you showed up to work. When you're going to break, you clock yourself out. And you clock yourself back in so that they can monitor and check the trend of your output. They have specific time for you to close. You can close any time you want. All of a sudden, we became conscious of time. We became conscious of ourselves that, hey, we are not going to live forever. We have only 24 hours in a day and one day we're going to die. So we have to race against time. We have to make sure that things are done quickly. People say time is money. So when you're dealing with somebody and you waste time, all of a sudden they look at their clock, their watch, and they tell you, hey, you're wasting my time. I need my time back. 
Because people became conscious of time. Time became very important to people. Now, mechanical clock began to rain instead of the steam engine, which was the order of the day. Humanity came to this realization. Humanity all of a sudden began to recognize abstract time. And that became something that was ruling everything that we were doing. I was privileged when I was growing up to listen to stories from my father. My father would sit us down and tell us what happened to him and how he grew up in the 1930s when he was growing up in a small village in the eastern region. He said in the evenings they would sit around fire and they would just sing and drum and have fun without anybody checking time. How many people even had watches? So they would just play around fire to the point when they feel tired and they go to sleep. And they will wait in the morning, count on the cock crowing or something, or daylight showing up, or birds making noise in the air for them to realize that it is morning and they have to go to the farm or go somewhere. There was no pressure on them as far as time was concerned. And he said, this is just the tip of the iceberg. He said, because time was not so significant to them, what happened was the time for people to get married was not time that was a pressure to them. You could marry any time you want to when you are ready. They didn't marry so late or so early. It came to the individual. Unlike today when you are at a certain age, everybody asks you, how old are you? They say, hey, you should be married by now. And they are putting pressure on you. Those days, no. It depended on you when you were ready. So some married early, some married very late. It was not pressure at all. Everything was flexible. Why? Because they were not so much on time. You will bear witness to this, that if you are a little grown here, you know that when we were growing up, people of my age, and even recently, you realize that time was not a factor to education. Like in primary school, in those days, when you are going to class one, they will ask you to stretch your hand to see whether you touch your ear before you are accepted into class one. It's not today that when the baby is even breastfeeding, before you know they said the baby is going to school. Recently, one of my, my wife's um, nieces came home with homework. Tiny little girl, homework. <laughs> when did you go to school to start homework? I mean, this is pressure. We're putting pressure on the children. Those days, you grow up at home before. I remember when we were in school, it was not based on age. It was based on your ability. So you can repeat one class for several years. If you are last, you are repeated. So you find somebody who will be 15 years, 16 years, and is in class three. Elementary school class three. Primary class three. And in 16 years, the guy is a grown-up. He has beer. But he is still in class three. It was not a problem at all. In secondary schools, in six form, those days were six form. In six forms, we had men who could have families. So when we had intercolleges, it was 
an activity between men. Today, go to university and you see that it's just small boys and girls. You, you are wondering whether they are even fit to be where they have to be. Because now we become conscious of time. In the UK, for instance, at the age of 16, you should finish your O-level. So there's nothing like people repeating a class. It doesn't depend on your performance to be promoted. Every year you get promoted, whether you like it or not. You go from here to the UK and you've never been to school. You are 14 years. 14 years need to be at a certain class. They will put you there whether you can, you can fit into the class or not. Everything has become what? Time conscious. Because time is ruling the age. And I'm talking about time in another sense. When you look at what this man said, it is so obvious, it's so clear that it has affected us in a way that we don't even realize it. Have you realized that today what happens to us is most often we eat not because we were hungry, but because of time. When somebody asks you, have you eaten? And you say, no. And say, look at the time. So whether you are hungry or not, because of time, you have to eat. Most of us went to bed. We slept not because we were tired or we needed rest, but because of what? Time. When you have little children and it's 10 in the night and they are still watching TV, what are you going to say? Hey, what are you doing? Hey, it's time to go to bed because everything is dependent on time. So time began to introduce certain things to us like the alarm clock. Listen to the name. The name is what? Alarm. When you have alarm clock ring in the morning, it sets your day on a different level because it puts you in an alarm state. Alarm. You'll be sleeping and all of a sudden your, your clock goes and you get alarmed. So the whole day you are alarmed. That's how we live, we live our lives because we become time conscious. This time thing that I'm talking about can be related to the coming in of mobile phones. Mobile phones, for instance, before their existence, people had a relaxed life. Things were different. Today, have you realized that even the way we watch things has changed? TV has become dead now. TV is in the past. If you are here and you are saving money to go and buy TV, you have a wrong dream. The days of buying TV and displaying it in your living room is past. <laughs> the new generation don't watch TV anymore. Everybody has their smartphone. And they don't sit down to watch three hours movie. Or they don't run home because there is something that is going to be shown on TV. You remember those days they will be showing something on TV. A, a bra or a sofodazi and it's at a specific time and everybody must rush home at that time to go and watch. Now no, they watch it at their own convenience. Let a sofodazi roll, they can still watch it on their phone when they want it and how they want it. It's changed. Now people don't buy TV. I, I wonder how many people pay TV licenses today. It's not a TV issue at all. Because whatever you want to watch can be watched on your phone. You tell me. And it comes with incentives. Have you realized the monetization that comes with short clips and stuff like that on YouTube, on social media? 
when you put a video 10 minutes or 5 minutes and people watch it, the number of people that will watch will tell the amount of money that will be given to you. So who is going to watch 3 hours movie? Who is going to They want it in a bit, in a small clip. Preachers on TV have now stopped putting their clips on TV. Now it's five minutes because people don't have time, convenience. So five minutes clip on their mobile phone and the church still make money out of that. Africa is behind. <laughs> we must catch up. So it is change in so many things and specifically I'm referring to change of time. The way things happen. Monfort said, it is not steam machine that runs industrialization. Now it is time. Our human capital, human capacity is so much dependent on what happens around us in terms of time. And the topic that I'm dealing with brings two things of time into play. Two different timings into play. I talked about Kairos. And I talked about Kronos. When we talk about Kairos, it's a Greek language. It's a, it's a, a Greek word. When we talk about Kronos, it's also a Greek word. When you look at the word Kairos, it is an ancient Greek word meaning the right, critical, or appropriate time. It is the moment. It is the right time, the critical time, the season. Have you realized that season cannot be pinned to any specific time on our clock? Because whilst the mango is having its season, the apple season is not up. When the apple is having its season, cassava's time is not up. They all have different seasons. They all have their time. And when it's their season, nobody's going to tell them to bear fruit. It just comes up. It is seasonal. That is a time that is not regulated by our clock. It is Kairos time. It is a different time. And Kairos time is God's time. Kairos time is not regulated by what we regulate things with. It is regulated by God in his season, in his time. When you read Ecclesiastes and say everything has a time, everything has its season, we all think automatically about the clock, about time, about days, about dates. But that is not what God is looking at because God's time and God's date may be different from what we are looking at. Are you hearing me today? It may be different. Have you realized that it was not until 1,500 years ago that the world began to um, kind of synchronize calendars and dates and stuff like that together? Everybody had their own. It wasn't a big deal. Do you know that up to today, Ethiopia has its own calendar? Ethiopian millennium was just not long ago. They are 10 years behind the normal calendar you and I follow. Up to today, the Chinese have their own calendar. We have Chinese New Year, and their New Year is end of January to February. Whilst we are celebrating ours in December. 
Today, the world wants to arrange everything to be uniform, so they are trying to use daylight savings and, and different timings, the Greenwich Mean Time and, and the Eastern Time and everything, trying to connect those things so that we will be efficient, all based on clock. But it was not the same earlier on. And God's timing is different. So Kairos is God's time. It is full of opportunities. So when we talk about Kairos, it's not specifically based on your age or your timing and your expectation of God. God has his own time. When it comes to Kairos, there's hope. Why is there hope? Because it doesn't matter how old you are, if God wants to bless you, the opportunity to have good life will still happen. You may be 50 years, 60 years old, but God will still intervene and give you something extraordinary. Are you hearing me? But if you are not operating with Kairos time and you're operating with Kronos, Kronos is what we, we, we have like a clock, chronological, order, the way we calculate things based on our time. That is Kronos. It's our natural watch, our time. How things tick, the tick-tock of our lives. That is the Kronos. So that is what we are looking at. We are looking more of that. Anytime God tells us something, do you realize that we interpret it in the Kronos? Instead of looking at it from the Kairos time, God's timing, God's plan. We don't look at things that way because we want to depend on what we can calculate. It has become more of quantitative. Chronos, quantitative. Instead of the Kairos, which is the qualitative. Kairos is God's timing. And God can do a lot of things. Have you realized that the Bible says that a day is like a thousand years before the Lord. And a thousand years is what? Like a day. God is just saying that your time is not my time. I have my own timetable. I do what I want to do. And I do it at the time I want to do it. Amen? So we must look at time from that perspective. Throughout the scriptures, you will find scriptures that deals with God's timing on stuff. And you also find scriptures that talk about our time. The Kronos instead of the Kairos. And time will not permit me to give you some of those examples. I believe that our world today is driven almost exclusively by the Kronos. Almost everything that we do is driven by Kronos. We are all looking to time. Have you realized that when people come to church, they have nowhere to go. But when you start talking or church start going on, they start checking their watch. And by what they see on their watch, they decide, oh, you are preaching too long. Let, let me. Even if they have nowhere to go, all of a sudden they feel the urgency to go. Or all of a sudden, hey, this is preaching for now. And they start yawning. <laughs> Their time has made them tired. Whereas if time was not in place, they wouldn't have even realized that something was happening. Have you realized that when something catches your attention, you can be drawn into it without even checking the time. And before you know, time is fast spent. 
Our everyday life is being regulated today by the chronos. But the problem is when we depend so much of the chronos, we will lose or some of the miracles or the things God wants to do in our lives will be messed up, will be messed up. Why? Because there are things God wants to do early in our lives, but we are looking at our biological clock. Even if God wants to bless you before time, you are thinking, no, no, I'm not at that age yet. Oh, I'm not there yet. So I have to wait a little bit. And God saying, no, 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 your time is not my time. You have a different time. I have a different time. Or sometimes we look at our biological clock and we think we are too old that we have passed a certain stage and God cannot reach out to us. And God says, no, 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 you are wrong. My timing is not your timing. We must look at God's timing. And not our own time. And that is what I want to draw your attention to on some of the things that we have talked about concerning the new wine. Because I believe that the timing of the new wine is according to the kairos and not the chronos. The visitation of God, the change God wants to bring in us, what God wants to visit us with, it is going to be by God's timetable and by God's hand. Whilst you are looking at tomorrow, God may be looking at today. And whilst you are looking at today, God may be looking at tomorrow. God has different ways of dealing with things. And if we are going to be able to benefit from the miracles, from the signs, from the visitation of God, from the new wine, we must find a way to connect the Kairos with the Kronos. If we don't find a way to connect the two, we will not be able to get anything substantial from God. We should be able to find that connection. All of us are familiar with the scripture that we've been reading in the book of John, the gospel of John. We talked about John chapter 2. And in John chapter 2, we know that Jesus attended a wedding. And at that wedding, when Everything depended on wine because it was a merry-making kind of environment. They were having a feast. They were enjoying themselves. And if you don't have enough wine, it means that the people at that wedding didn't have a good time. The groom had prepared everybody to come for a wedding. So obviously, he had prepared enough wine for them. But the Bible says that the wine he had prepared... God finished. And when the wine finished, it was going to be disgraceful. But Mary realized that the wine was what? Finished. And when Mary saw the wine was finished, Mary didn't go to the bridegroom. When you realize that there is a lack or a need in your life, don't go to everybody. Don't go to people who don't have answers. Don't go to people who can't help you. Many of us are fond of just telling our story around and it comes back to bite us. Sometimes we think many people will tell our story, the more we're going to find solution to our problem. But people hear it and they take it to another dimension and it rather brings problem to us. Mary didn't go to the person who was having the wedding, the groom. He, she didn't go to that person. She knew where the answer was. The answer lied with Jesus. So Mary went to Jesus and said, the wine is finished. And when she said the wine was finished, Jesus 
She didn't say anything more. Just said the wine was finished. Implying that I want you to do something about it, but I'm not going to say it. I just want to draw your attention to the fact that the wine is finished. It was an amazing way of presenting to Jesus what was supposed to be done. And straight away, Jesus said something. Jesus said, Woman, how does this concern me? How do I come in here? He said, my time or my hour has not come. I want to disconnect myself from the situation. How do I come in here? You are looking for an answer to a shortage of wine. I am not the one that is having the wedding. So how do I come in here? I want to distinguish myself because to you, the wine is finished and according to your time, you want wine now. But my time may be different. My time has not come because I'm not operating with the time you are operating in. I'm operating in a different time. My time, my hour has not come. And when Mary heard that, as wise as she was, she didn't persuade Jesus. Oh, master, do something. Or son, do something. Or, she didn't say anything at all. Some of us are of the habit that we think we can persuade God. We can coerce God. We can turn the hand of God. We can manipulate God to do things for us in our timing. And God says, no. No matter the amount of prayer you pray. No matter how hard you strive. I only work in my time. God only works in his time. Nobody can change that. And John, the writer of the fourth gospel, was presenting to us that not even the mother of Jesus could manipulate Jesus to work ahead of his time or work outside his time. Jesus only worked within his time. So when she heard that Jesus said the wine is finished, told Jesus the wine is finished, Jesus said my time was not up. She didn't argue. She just told the people, whatever he tells you, do it. She trusted that in his own time. The Bible says, in God's time, his own time, he makes all things what? Beautiful. Jesus has the ability to take the initiative when it is time. So leave it to him. Leave it to God's time. Don't push it. Don't make it look like it didn't happen according to your clock, your timetable, so it is not going to happen or God is wrong. There are many requests and many things that we are expecting God to bring through, but God is going to do it according to his time, not our time. Jesus said, my hour has not come. And we obviously can see that what Jesus was talking about was something beyond just provision of wine. Because Jesus bringing out wine was exposing himself as the son of God or as a miracle worker. And all of a sudden people would begin to know who he was. And he was on earth for a purpose. He was on earth so he could reconcile you and I to God. He was on earth so he could die on the cross to shed his blood for our forgiveness. So when we repent, we'll be reconnected to God. And God's reconciliation time, God's reconnection to us was going to be according to Kairos, 
and not Kronos. It was going to be God's time. Have you realized that there are some people you pray for, there are some people that are around you, and they don't get saved until God's appointed time. There are people we went to school with, they were wicked people. There are people we went to school with, we never thought God could even mention their name. And today you meet them somewhere, they had a serious guy name, MC Trouble, MC whatever. And they, in school, they were terrorists. And today you meet them. They terrorize us Christians when we're in school. But today you meet them and what do you do? I'm a reverend minister. Hey, since when did God reach out to you? Uh, since when? Oh, we never thought God would reach out to those people. But God in his time. In his time, Jesus himself came on planet earth not just based on physical time. It was God connecting his time with our time. Bible says, in the fullness of what? Time. In the fullness of time. God has his time. And as you walk around, have that in your mind that God has his time. And we must not pressure ourselves or bring ourselves into anything just because we want things to happen. When you want things to happen, do you know that you get jittery? You, 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 be, you begin to panic. Especially when, if you don't have money to pay for your next rent and the month ends, somewhere around 15th, you still have hope that something may happen. Then 20th, the hope is dwindling. The whole thing is reducing. It's going so fast. It's being taken from under you like sand. Then on 31st of the month, and some of the month is not 31st. Some of them will be 28. Some of them will be 27. Then all of a sudden it's like. But you know that God's timing can be that hour. God can intervene that last minute. When it's almost lost, it can be saved. His timing. His ways are different from our ways. Just like the heavens are higher than the earth, so are the ways of God. We must realize that God does things in a different way. So Jesus, Bible says, ordered that water should be fetched into containers. Six empty jars. We've talked about all that, so let me not bore you with all those stuff. But eventually, the miracle that what happened. When the water had been, the jars had been filled with water, Jesus said, fetch some of the water and give it to the master of the banquet. And when the man tasted the water, oh my God, what kind of wine is this? This is not just an ordinary wine. This is a wine that is beyond any wine that I've ever tasted. And listen to what the man said. In John chapter 2. Let me read verse 10. This is the master of the banquet. This is what he said. Everyone brings out the choice wine first. And then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. You have saved the best till now. What the man was simply telling the groom at the wedding who didn't know even about the miracle. He said, hey, friend, you had this better wine hidden somewhere. You just reserve what is greater 
what is the best. You kept it somewhere and you are bringing the best wine at the wrong time. Wrong time. Because at every wedding, what happens is you give the best wine to the people when they have not drunk anything. They are not drunk. They have not eaten. Their palate, their tongue, everything is clean so they can taste good wine. That is when you bring good wine. And when they are drunk and if eating and their tongue cannot taste anything, that's when you bring the bad one so they don't even realize they are drinking. But you have waited. You have waited. You have waited. You kept the best wine. You reserved it. You waited till now. You've missed the timing because the people are already drunk. They will not even appreciate what you are bringing in. But as far as I'm concerned, this is the best. The wine Jesus produced was not just in quantity. We know that it was 150 gallons. 150 gallons of wine. The groom didn't even have that money to purchase that quantity of wine. But it was not just the volume. The man that tasted it, he said, this is fine wine. This is wine in the highest class. So it is something so special. So why reserve the fine wine till now? Most of, most of us ask ourselves, why would God allow me to go through all the crap, all the pain, all the anxiety, all the troubles, all the things that I'm going through? Why would God allow me to go through all this if he's going to do something about it? As far as you are concerned, when your biological clock is ticking, God should provide what he has to provide now. This is the best time to ride the best car. God, you're waiting for me to be 70 and give me best car. How will people even appreciate it? How are you going to do it, God? We want everything now. We want it in our time. And God says, no. I am an expert in reserving the best wine and bringing it when it is Kairos time, not Kronos. I bring it when I believe it's best for you because I am looking at your life as eternity. Do you know that God is not looking at your life as your 50, 60, 70, 80 years you're going to spend on, on, on earth. God is looking at your lifespan as eternal. We are spirits. We have soul and we live in a body. And God created us not like goats. We're going to live forever. Every human being is going to live forever, whether in hell or in heaven. So if you're going to live forever, then it means that God has forever to deal with you. Your time on earth is just a rehearsal time because your actual time is coming. And that's why we see our time on earth as preparation towards our real life. And God said, you've not lost out on anything. I know what I'm doing. I have my time. I have what I'm doing. So the man said, why do you wait till now? You have waited too late. You reserved the finest wine till now. What he didn't realize was he was dealing with a God of the now. Now not as Kronos, now as Kairos. The God of the now 
knows when it is time and season to do something in your life. He knows the appropriate time, the appointed time to work a miracle in your life. And he didn't, he would not pass that time by an inch. It's always on time. And that's why we call that time now. He said, today if you hear my voice, do not harden your heart. Now is your appointed time. God always deal with the now. And the now of his time is when he realized that it is time to do something. What they didn't know was, the world had been in turmoil. Right from the time of Adam and Eve, when sin dominated the earth. Throughout the scriptures, when Israel fell, and so many things happened, and God had even been silent for 400 years. And everything was in chaos. And the Israelites were expecting their Messiah to come and redeem them and fight for them and take them out of oppression from the Romans and all that. The Maccabees and all that were violent people. They were people that were fighting with knives. They lived on mountains. They were trying to bring in freedom. And it was not happening. What they didn't realize was it was the now for God. And it was not just the production of wine to show the now that the bridegroom, the true bridegroom had now appeared. The true Messiah, the answer to the world, the answer to generation to come, had come now. And they were thinking about wine. Why wait to bring the wine now? Yes, the wine came at the now. But beyond the wine, the Messiah, who was going to reconcile the world to himself, was there. The timing of God. The timing of God. I came here today to encourage you that don't lose hope. Don't give up because you're waiting for something and thinking it's too long. Or God is not hearing you. Or a miracle is not taking place. I want you to know that you are looking at your time. You are looking at when to have it so you can impress some few people. You are looking at it so that you can, you can feed your mother and father before they die. You, you have your own time and when you want your glory, your manifestation to be seen. And God says that I'm not dealing with your time. I'm dealing with my time. Sometimes we have good reasons why God should operate in our time. And God says, I don't buy that. Do you know that Paul, the apostle, a whole preacher, an apostle, Bible says that there was a thorn in his flesh. There was a limitation, whether it was sickness or whatever. And he prayed to God three times that God should remove it from him. Hey, I'm preaching your gospel. If I'm sick, if things are not working, I want to have it easy so that the message can be spread. I'm doing your job, God. Do something in my body. And three times he prayed to God and God looked at him and said, my grace is sufficient for you. Hey, God, is that how you want to deal with it? What are you crying to God about and you are not getting it? He has his time. And he's going to come through. Now. He said, you have waited till now. I came here today to tell you that God intentionally allowed all the things that happened to you to go on. He's not asleep. He's not dead. He has his time. And after you've gone through all that, the Bible says, after you've suffered a little, after you've gone through all that, the now will come. 
The sweet wine will wait till now. The bad stuff, the challenges, the poverty, the sickness, the shame, the disgrace that you have gone through, the challenges of life, how hard things have been. You are always climbing and you've been crying to God to do something about it. And God says, now is the time of the new wine. Now is the time that I'm doing something about your life. Now is the moment for a new production and your life is going to be transformed. I don't have time to talk about people like Abraham who waited for God almost all his life for a promised son. God said, I'm going to give you a son. He said, God, I need a son now so we can play football together. Who wants to have a son when they can't play football? He said, God, I need a son now so I can be active in his life. And God said, it's coming. <laughs> but it's my time. He showed him the sky. He said, count the stars. Everything went on. Then one day the Bible says that Abraham was sitting under a tree in the heat of the day. And he saw three men standing under a tree. Look. When we, we are told about this, we are told that, oh, some, some men were passing through. They were travelers. Travelers to where? Bible doesn't say they were passing. Bible says that they were standing under a tree. God, in his appointed time, has sent himself to stand under the tree to catch the attention of Abraham. He wasn't going anywhere. He knew what he was doing. So while they were standing, Abraham saw them, and he ran to them and said, Says, can you come, three of them, can you come into my tent so I can wash your feet, prepare something for you to eat so you can spend some time here so you can go on to your journey where you're going because he assumed that they were travelers. The Bible says they were standing in the heat. Who will be standing under a tree for the heat? What were they doing there? It was God at work. So these people heard and they came. Abraham quickly ran, told his wife to bake bread and said, Take big sizes, three of them. This man, I can see they can eat. <laughs> Give them three big sizes, big cake, three sizes. And he took um, a calf, a young um, um, cow, and slaughtered it and prepared kebab. He did barbecue. And Bible says he added yogurt, right? He knew how to have a good time. Under the heat of the movement, yogurt and all stuff. And he gave it to the men and they started eating. And when they were full, <laughs> when they were filled up, they asked, where is Sarah? He said, Sarah is somewhere out there. And said one thing that changed everything. Said, next year by this time, Sarah will have a baby when we are here. Because God's time is now. We came to deliver news. Bible says Sarah heard it and she did what? She laughed. She said, ah, what are these people doing? Have you forgotten the chronos that our body is subject to biological clock? Look at me. I don't even have pleasure. And look at my husband. When I look at myself, I get discouraged. But when I see my husband, I get double discouraged because he himself is dead. <laughs> He's a walking dead. I don't have pleasure, but him... <laughs> He doesn't know what is happening. The man is even going cuckoo. His old age had caught up with him. He said, look at him. 
So why would you say this is the time to give us a baby when we were strong and we could produce children? We didn't have them. Now you are telling us next year. Why wouldn't I laugh? And the men saw what Sarah was doing and said, why did she laugh? And they asked a question. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Is anything too hard for the Lord? It may not be your timing, but is anything too hard for the Lord? It doesn't matter how long it takes. It doesn't matter how early it comes. It doesn't matter what time it is. You are looking at the normal clock. God is looking at the season, the appointed time. Because look, God works with eternity. God, God works with time stretched out. So God is not in a hurry. He will do it when he wants to do it. And he has time for it. The new wine comes now. Now. Why have we not experienced all this joy and fun? Why have we not had the best of wine ahead of time and have gone through the different challenges? Why is it that the new wine is coming now? Because now is the time for the new wine. And there are several scriptures that prove this. You read the Bible, it talks about how Samaria was besieged and there was hunger in the city to the point that people were killing their children and eating their children because there was no food. And one day, the king got angry and provoked Elisha, the man of God. And Elisha stood and he prophesied. He said, tomorrow by this time, things are going to change because as at present, the people were buying the, the head of a donkey for so much. And they were buying the dunk, the toilet, so to speak, of doves. That was their meal. Toilet of doves. And you can't even get it to buy. So much hunger. And he said, forget about the price of it and all that. Tomorrow, fine wheat, flour. The best of food is going to be available. It's going to be in abundance. It's going to be at no cost. And you guys are going to enjoy. And Bible says when he said that, there was this man that was with the king. He said, hey, even if God opens the windows of heaven, it will not happen. Why was he saying that? Because he looked at when the man was prophesying. And the man said, in 24 hours, tomorrow by this time. And he looked at the time it takes to plant a seed, the time it takes for it to germinate, to harvest, and to do something, knowing that their enemies are outside the gate, they couldn't farm. How would God expedite things and within 24 hours it will happen? He said, no, it will never happen. He said, even if he opens the windows of heaven, it will not happen. And Elisha said, you will see it, but you will not partake of it. Because this is according to Cairo's time. This is according to divine time. This is not subject to your time. This is not subject to your thinking and understanding. This is the mindset of God. I'm telling you that something is going to happen to you and it's not based on your time. It's not based on your thinking. It's not based on what you've been through. It's not based on what you're going through. It's based on what God is doing. And what God is doing is now. Now is your moment. I came here to declare to somebody that your now has come. Your now is here. Your now for a new oil, new anointing. The new wine is here now. 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 Your now is here. Amen. That is what God is doing in our lives. Now. You see, when it is the now of God, nothing can stop it. Bible talk about Joshua. 
and his battle in Gibeon. Bible says the Gibeonites had rushed and made pact with Israel because they were afraid of their enemies when they heard that Israel had defeated Jericho and Ai. So they make a pact with Israel. And whilst they were connected, the other nations heard that, no, if these people join Israel, we are in trouble. It's going to be chaotic. So what did they do? Five countries, five kingdoms gathered together. And they decided they were going to attack Gibeon and destroy Gibeon. So that their pact with Israel would not hold. And while they were going to attack them, they sent message to Joshua. And Joshua prayed to God and God said, I have given them to you. I will make sure that you eliminate them. I will make sure that you fight them and, and slaughter them. Bible says, Joshua came at night and surprised them, defeated them like that. It was night. The fight was on till the day. And Joshua realized that if the fight goes on beyond the day, it was going to be, it was tiresome. People need to see those they are fighting and eliminate them. So what did Joshua do? Bible says Joshua prayed. He said, God, let the sun stand still and let the moon stay over Gibeon. We know today that by science, it was not the sun, the sun that stood still. Because we know that the sun is stationary. Right? It is the earth that revolves around it. So that prayer was simply saying, the revolution of the earth must stand still because it is God's timing. So that the sun will be on until total victory was ensured. I want you to understand that if it takes that, God will do it. If it is the timing of God, he will cause everything to stand still so that your breakthrough, your victory will come to pass. God will do that. Are you hearing me today? Maybe at that workplace, they are trying to deceive you. They are trying to cheat on you. They are trying to do things. Everything is going to be suspended because your promotion must come through. Everything is going to stay still because God must bring you victory. Amen? God is a God of his own, own timing. And he will do whatever he wants to do. I read stories upon stories in the Bible and I get amazed by how God works. The Bible talks about a man called Peter. That Peter was arrested by Herod just because he had arrested and killed James and the people were excited so he wanted to do the same thing to Peter. And when he arrested Peter, he was put in jail because the Passover was on. So after the Passover, he would be tried. And this man was in chains and they had security around him because they were making sure that he doesn't run away. And Bible says that the church kept praying for Peter. Peter was asleep the day before he would stand trial. And whilst he was sleeping in the middle of the night, all of a sudden there was light in the room and an angel stood by him. And the angel tapped on him and said, Peter, rise up, wear your clothes and your sandals and follow me. The man had removed his sandals, his clothes, he was going nowhere, he was sleeping in the midst of soldiers. He knew his destiny was up, but the church was praying. And when he said that, he became conscious of himself and he dressed up. The chains had fallen, everything, everybody was still sleeping. 
They went through the first guard. They went through the second guard. And they came to the main metal gate. And the Bible says they opened by themselves. And he went out. When he got to the street, he now realized that he had been freed. The church was still praying in Mary, John Mark's mother's house. And when Peter got there and knocked on the door in the middle of the night, a girl ran to the door, called Rhoda, and said, who are you? I said, I'm Peter. When she heard Peter's voice, she ran to the others that were praying and said, Peter is here. They said, are you crazy? You see how, how we operate. You are praying that the man should be released. He's at the door and they say, are you crazy? Are you crazy? The man cannot be here. So what are you praying for? They said, it's not Peter. It's his spirit. It's his spirit. It's not Peter. Sometimes when God is doing miracles, it brings us into doubt. Because it doesn't fall by our time. It falls by God's timing. And when they realized that it was Peter, he said, guys, take care of yourself. I'm off from this place. I'm going to do something else. I came to tell you that the troubles you've been through, the challenges you've been through, everything that you are facing as an individual, whether you are young or you are old, don't ever be deceived by the enemy that the devil is going to be able to win over you or because your timing, your timing. Some of us, are, there are people who will get their riches early. Some people will get it late. There are some people who get their breakthroughs now. Some people will get it late. There are some people who within a short time will see a change. There are some people who endure for a long time but weeping endures for a night. Joy will definitely come in the morning. There's a day coming and it is now. God's new wine is now. Now, 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 now. The now miracle is here. I believe that it is here. And whatever the situation is, know that God's timing is not based on your clock. It's based on his timing. The Kairos time is here. Would you rise on your feet? His, his time is here. 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 And if you believe it, I want you to lift your hands and say, God, I receive whatever you have for me now. 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 Today is the appointed time. I receive that miracle. I receive that breakthrough. I receive that unction. I receive that blessing. I receive what you have prepared for me. Nothing is going to stop it. It doesn't matter what the devil does. God is working now. The new wine is here. The new wine is now. God might have waited for a long time. He had reserved the new wine till now. But it is here. It is here. It is here. It is here. Some of us are tasty. Some of us have been walking under the scorching sun for a long time. Your throat is dry. You are on the desert. Everything seems dry. But this is the time for you to have the fountain of God. The fountain is flowing. The water of God is flowing. The river of God is flowing. He said he will make waters and rivers run in the desert. This is your time. This is your movement. This is your now. This is your breakthrough. This is your ancient moment that you have to receive from God because God is working in this time. He's working today. Open your mouth and talk to him. 
He's at work. 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 Your Kairos time is here. 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 The breakthrough is here. The answers are here. The hand of God is at work in the name of Jesus. 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 Some of us have gone weary in our time of waiting. You are torn apart. The trauma of waiting has almost killed you. But as long as you are alive, I want you to know that there's hope for you. Life is right here. It's right here. It's right here. And wherever you are, you know what you're going through. Stretch forth your hand to God. As I pray for you today, stretch your hand to God and, and, and just believe him that that relief, that breakthrough, that unction will come now, now, now. Father, we trust you. You are the God of the now. You are a miracle worker. Your timing, your move is different from ours. Therefore, we trust that in your appointed time, you make all things beautiful. And we know that this is the time of the new wine. This is the season. This is a breakthrough moment. I pray, Lord, for your visitation and your touch upon your people. I pray, Lord, that you come through for your people. I pray, Lord, that you bring that breakthrough, that answers they need. I pray, Lord, that you will make things work on their behalf. I pray, Lord, that you will send an angel to tackle what concerns them. I pray, Lord, that they will see evidence. They will see victory. They will see breakthrough in their life. Whatever it is, whether it's in the area of their health, whether it's in the area of their finances, whether it's in the area of their relationships, Lord, I pray that you will manifest yourself strong. And Lord, you will bring redemption. You will bring freedom. You will bring breakthrough. You will bring victory to your people. We celebrate what you have done. We testify ahead of time of your goodness. And Lord, we bless you that you have made it new for your people. Thank you, Lord. We give you praise and we honor you. In Jesus' name, amen.